You look very thin today, Anna Marie. Have you been losing weight? I had a half pound burger last night, so probably not. (laughs) I'm a half pound heavier Uh, than I was the day before. I'm a half half pound of burger right now. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. Yeah, we try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. And welcome to Freudian Sips. A podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And this is... The 50th episode! episode. I really wish they could see all the weird stuff we do with our bodies. We just very much (laughs) celebrated. We did spirit hands (laughs) all over the place. The 50th episode. And we timed it almost perfectly. We're recording this on uh, Valentine's Day, the 14th Mm -hmm. of February. And our year mark, the one when we released our very first episode, was February 11th. 11th. Wow. That's almost exact. Happy birthday, podcast, and happy Valentine's Day, podcast. I love you, podcast. (laughs) Because you're me. (laughs) You're my my favorite Valentine podcast. podcast. Mom says that to me because I was I was born a couple days after Valentine's yes, Day. Anna Banana was due on Valentine's Day. I, I was, was like, I'm not going to be a commercial <laughs> shill. I'm not going to sell out. And even before she was born, Anna had a mind of her own <laughs> and an opinion and said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. I was very excited that year because I thought that would be the coolest Valentine thing ever. And then I'd always remember her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would not be confused. But I have to admit that I always... At Valentine's Day, I always, I mean, I would think of your birthday anyway, Anna, Thanks. for God's sake. <laughs> you're my first four. Took you a while to correct me, You're my me, baby though. girl. Mm-hmm. But Valentine's Day to me is always Anna's birthday, so. <laughs> I, just get a, I just get a week-long birthday. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it should be. Honestly. Mm-hmm. That's what it used to be in college. Birthday week instead of your birthday day. Everybody should do that. Yes, every All year. the time. I know. I Some know. people really don't care about their birthdays. I'm... I'm kind of that person. I don't, realistically, I know it doesn't really have much bearing on things, but I know. But it's nice when people remember it. Yeah. It's nice when people do things like, you know, you, sure. don't, you don't want to be like, oh, please do something for me, but it's very nice when people do. Well, I like when people think of me all the time. I think they should <laughs> think of me all the time. They should think of me all the time. <laughs> so, Anna Banana. So, in honor of our 50th, before we get into what we're actually doing today, I want to plug all the things that we usually plug. First of all, I would like to plug our Patreon because we just put up a new bonus episode. So if you listened to our bonus episode that we released on our regular podcast about Murder Yet to Come Chapter 1, we just released Chapter 2. So if you want to listen to that, go listen on the Patreon. Go become a Patreon for $2 a month, two 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 dollars a month, and you can listen to those episodes. That's very affordable. We're going to try to do uh, two episodes a month for that two bonus episodes a month 
Okay, thanks for telling me that. Okay, yeah, that, I think that was the first time I was letting you know. Anna was just telling me that. <laughs> was just, that was for uh, mom. That wasn't yeah. for you guys. I would also like to plug our sticker giveaway that we haven't plugged for a while. Stickers. Would you like to plug our sticker giveaway? If you give us a review and you take a picture of that review, like a screenshot is the fancy terminology. Sure, yes. And send us an email with your actual snail mail address yes so we can send you because we want to send you address right we want to send you a sticker so send us that screenshot in an email with your physical address and we will send you a sticker that's very cool it says freudian sips it's original original artwork by anna marie (laughs) a very cool die cut sticker of our logo and podcast branding that you can place on things yes we each have it on our laptop we do so. we've i've stuck for an insip stickers on many things <laughs> just go down the I street have a lot. and like stick it on Wait, people's I really like and- <laughs> this billboard gets for an insip sticker <laughs> exactly but we would like to have your review anyway yes. just to have your feedback but we'd Very love much. to send you a sticker so you can be in our sticker club our sticker club our very exclusive sticker that's club. right be a member of the sticker club and of course, our merch. Merch. If you go to FreudianSipsPod.com, there's a merch link right on the front page. And we have a new shirt up, the Reach for the Stars shirt. And we have a whole bunch of other cool merch that you can get. So give us reviews. Buy merch and wear us on your bodies. And <laughs> what's the other thing I said? Be a patron. Right. Just, Do all just, that cool just stuff. Immerse. For our birthday. It's our birthday. So give us a present. Give us something. It's our birthday. Immerse yourself in Freudian sips. Just cover yourself in sips. Surrender to the flow. Join our cult. (laughs) (laughs) Become a golden chalice sipster. We would like that. 50 episodes and they said it wouldn't last, Anna Marie. Who said? I'll fight him. Did you say that? I think maybe I was one of those. <laughs> okay, I won't fight you. I think you. maybe I was one of those people who said, really? We're going to keep doing this? And we but did. now I'm like addicted to it. I am so addicted to it. <laughs> I know. It's it's more for us than it is for it them. It is, really. It's, <laughs> it's really. It's lovely to have you along, but in reality, we We're would, doing this for us. Yeah, yeah. This is our self-care. So. It really is. So what are we doing for our 50th episode, Mom? <gasps> Big five zero. Mail bag. Sorry, I interrupted you. I I just couldn't hold my breath anymore. (laughs) You like inhaled really hard. I thought you were going to pass out. I was going to say our podcast is over the hill, but that wasn't a good joke anyway. Uh, Yeah, no, it's just a baby. It's a baby baby podcast. It's a one-year-old. It's a toddler. It is. Don't be mean to our toddler podcast. Our (laughs) Toddcast. I love that. Podcast. Let's do that. No, let's not. No, <laughs> that's bad. You can't put those really good things out it's there and then not allow me. To use me. Them. Nope. All right. So we have a few people, several people who several have people. given us some ideas. More people than some, I expected, uh-huh, let's be honest. Uh-huh. Some topics. And so even though probably several of them we could do a whole episode, we're going to just kind of stick our toe in the water with it. And them. we probably will. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I think that it's worth speaking on a more casual level about it, just about the specific things that these people have asked Mm-hmm. And then going into a broader topic later when we dive into it. Right. But when we talk today, so usually we try to be pretty, you know, factual, pretty research-based. This is going to be more like if these people were in our office asking us these questions, 
this is how we'd be likely to respond, or at least the frame from which we would respond. Like, we, we want to explain how we would approach various topics in that area. Very good. That's a good way to say it. Thanks, Slab. Yeah. It's a little more casual. It's a bit cash. We're kind of yeah, keeping it cash, cash, keeping it today. cool, keeping it real if loose. You, if you came to our offices, we probably would not have a glass of wine while we were saying these things to you. But ever since college, I've wanted to be the drunk therapist. <laughs> my idea in college was that you would come into my office and we would take a shot together and then you would talk. <laughs> But apparently you can't do that. It should at least be an alternative. Yeah. Yeah. It should be an optional service. Exactly. I don't know. I had a client a little while ago that told me that one of the reasons she stopped going to a previous therapist was because... Because they took shots together. (laughs) No. Though that would probably have been okay with her. Was that she was always eating chips during their sessions. The therapist? What? (laughs) What? Isn't that bizarre? I get maybe it was like lunchtime. I don't know. That's still not okay. That's just bizarre. You couldn't find a less crunchy snack. (laughs) Can you imagine like and and I I just my parents divorced really crunch. Are you kidding me? It's like I came in eating an apple, like, yeah, told me about your trauma. I don't know. I didn't ask her if, like, the therapist invited her to have some. Would you like I a don't... chip? Would you like a chip with your tears? Would you? <laughs> this is also salty. Would you like a chip? Here, eat your feelings. Eat have your some feelings. of these chips. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, so we're just going to kind of. Yeah. I think we should start with a Valentine's Day one. All right. That, because that, that seems appropriate that today it is a Valentine's Day. And we had kind of a thought, a question about Valentine's Day. So. Yes. So our lovely listener, Becky, said, do you already have a Valentine's themed podcast? If not, how about something to do with being single on Valentine's? Mm. I think that's a good one. Oh, I think that's a really good one. Because... Basically, everybody's been single at some point in their life on Valentine's Day. And some of us have been single many times on Valentine's Day. I don't know about you, Anna, From but... the ages of zero as well. We've talked about this at length, Anna and I have, that Valentine's Day is a very high pressure. It's one of those high pressure holidays, like we, we New talk, Year's Eve. Yeah, I was just going to say New mm-hmm, Year's. Mm-hmm. We talked in our New Year's episode about just the pressure of it's a new year, you have to make all these goals, you have to make these resolutions. Mm-hmm. And Valentine's is very similar in like it's this one day where society is saying you have to be super romantic on this day, you have to be attached to someone, right. you, you have to do all these certain things to show your significant other that you love them if you are in a relationship. It's it's a lot of pressure. Right. For everybody. Yeah. Every Whether you're single or not, yeah. it's pressure. And and so one of the things that they talk about in CBT is that idea that we have been programmed with all of these shoulds. We should be this way and we should act that way and we should feel this way. A psychologist named Albert Ellis called it masturbation. I love that. Thank it's you great. for remembering that. It's great. <laughs> Masturbation, yes. There's a lot of that that goes on in Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes. So what do you do about it? I mean, how do we handle it if if we are single? Or let's just handle that first. If we're single, sorry, my elbows do that. If we are single and <laughs> pretty poor podcast on, he's like the, the he's my elbow, elbow cushion. <laughs> so let's just start with the being single. 
being unattached on Valentine's Day. Sure. And so I, I don't know what you would say to a client, Anna, but what I would say is that we... I actually just had this conversation with a client. Did you? Well, then you start. I mean, the conversation that we had, she, uh, the client I was speaking to today, had a, had a breakup recently, and she was kind of like, you know, I've never been much for Valentine's, and it's not bothering me now. But we still ended up in kind of a discussion about it. And what we ended up on was... It's about love. Right. This is a holiday about love, and it's been commercialized as romantic love, but there are so many other types of love. And I actually looked up, the Greeks have seven words for love. Ah. So there's eros, which is the love of the body, or like sexual love. There's philia, which is the love of the mind. There's ludus, which is playful love. There's pragma, which is long-standing love or commitment. There's agape, which is like love of the soul or unconditional love. There's philotia, which is love of the self. And there's storge, which is like familial love or love of the child. Hmm. So I think what I would say to someone is focus on the love attachments in your life. Exactly. Even if they aren't romantic love. Right. Because we all have love attachments, hopefully. And if you don't, you need to do some work to find your people, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Find your support system. But I mean, I think a lot of people, when they come to Valentine's, they're focusing on that Eros love or that pragma commitment love Mm -hmm. and they're like if i don't have one of those i'm not doing valentine's day right Right. but spend time with your family or like spend time with your friends the galentine's day thing is really big yeah i heard that today too where i know it's it's from from parks and rec yeah i was gonna say office but you're right they're very similar yeah (laughs) same show yeah same show same show different people same show different venue yeah but yeah, it's for. I think it originated on Parks and Recreation, but it's become a thing. Like mm-hmm. my client said, she was doing. A it's kind of like that thing they do for Thanksgiving now. Friendsgiving. Yeah, yeah. Which I- I'm all for that. Let's take friends in time. <laughs> friends. Well, because the guys should be able to do it guy, too. So it guy in time be, doesn't have the right be, ring. Yeah, to Galentine it. was kind of meant to be, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. But I, I completely agree. And part of that love, because one of them is self love. Which one was that? Philatia, the one I can't pronounce. Yeah, because we are supposed to love ourselves first. Yeah. And so even if if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't really want to hang out with my family for Valentine's Day or I don't want to. Or I don't have a good relationship with my family. Right. Do some self-care. Do some, what would make you happy? What would make you feel loved? Take yourself on a date. (laughs) Date yourself. (laughs) That could be kind of depressing. Masturbation. The other other (laughs) thing about that is to avoid like specific triggers if you are by yourself. Like don't sit and watch a romantic movie, okay? Unless that makes you, I mean, like, I well, don't know. Well, if it's going to make you all weepy, weepy, if it's like, that's make you what weepy, I wish weepy, I had. Don't, but if you're like, yeah, I love romantic comedies and it's going to make me happy, sure, watch a romantic yeah. comedy. Mm. Oh, you look very skeptical. Yeah, I am skeptical because I I think that that's one of the biggest triggers in our world for people who feel like they don't love right well, it's or they don't have the right kind of relationship. that's part of the societal pressure. Right. Because if you're supposed to have that kind of romance, it's not going to happen probably. Right. Well, so. if you're supposed to have that kind of romance, it might be emotionally abusive from most romantic <laughs> comedies I've seen. That's kind of true. you got to be careful. That's kind of true. So do some things for yourself and, and have that time. The other thing, too, that, that Anna said is about just thinking about how you can share love with people. So it could even be that you do something anonymously. Like, wouldn't it be kind of cool to... If you know another person who's single and maybe having a hard time, you know, send them a little anonymous gift that yeah. just says, you know, you are loved or yeah. um, you're special or you're important or whatever. We could spread love in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Go volunteer at a soup kitchen. That's a great great idea that's love like we can show love in a lot of different areas we've been programmed to think that valentine's is about 
I wish I had done more research on like where Valentine's Day. It's from Saint Valentine, right? Right. Was he was saint, he a player? What was was no, his deal? Saint Valentine was a saint who lived and died around the year two hundred ish, between two hundred and three hundred. So a very early saint in the Catholic Church. And there is some confusion as to the exact origin because it seems that there was more than one person named Valentine. <laughs> Um, however, and they were all in order. So the yeah, time. and because it was so early in the church, a lot of the story is kind of like folklorish. Sure. Yeah. Um, but oral the, tradition. But the oral tradition is that Valentine was in prison for his faith, and while he was in prison, he would write. Malade? No, it's not about <laughs> eros. It's about okay agape. Okay. So he would write little love notes that were God love notes. Aww. Like, you know, God loves you and, you know, he was Christian so he would write, Jesus died for your sins and he loves you and all that. And then he would throw those little love notes out the window of the prison where oh, he was. That's really cute. And so people would find those love notes. Um, there's also a part of that tradition that he would, um, it was something about marrying Christians because in that time the Christians were very persecuted and mm-hmm. so they were not allowed to marry each other and he was secretly doing marriage he was marrying all the christians he, he was all their not, not he was performing their marriage okay. ceremonies okay, okay okay he was he was love based he was a lover yeah he was a lover he was a good lover he was so, a good lover yeah <laughs> lovers do not have to be eros lovers they can but be. that's that's what i was getting at uh-huh. is that it's been bastardized by the commercialism to be like totally candy hearts and chocolate box mm-hmm. and all of this sexy lingerie sexy lingerie yeah not where i was gonna go i was gonna go <laughs> red rose next uh, okay i yeah weird i was sure going to yeah, go yeah, further yeah, than yeah. that but okay i'll pull back but yeah it's it's very much commercialized into this certain box of stuff right and that box is filled with chocolates right. but it's not that it's not that and i don't know how it got there because Money. capitalism yeah is exactly. a hellscape basically that's exactly right but that's not what it is it's not what it is. And, and frankly, it doesn't have to be anything. It's just a day. Right. If you just want it to be February 14th, that's fine. And that's one of the things that I read in one of the articles from Psychology Today, actually, that said, if it's a really big trigger for you, just pretend like it's just another day and don't even admit that it's Valentine's it's, Day. Just go to Valentine's, work. There's lots do, of saints. Do, the Cat- yeah. Catholic Church has like 4,000 oh, saints. Yeah, we got We could have like four, four <laughs> days. I don't know why they haven't commercialized some of those other days. I don't know why Valentine's. Was it because they was a massacre probably <laughs> but but they like really latched onto that and saint patrick's day saint patrick's day is pretty he's got he gets yeah. a lot of action yeah. with his with <laughs> i his bet green, he does with his green beer and all that yeah bet he does so for our listener our sipster who wanted to us to talk a little bit about valentine's day i think that's what we would say to a client yes is care for yourself do some self-care right focus on that self-love during valentine's day focus on other types of love spend it with your family spend it with your family of origin or your kids if you have kids Mm -hmm. spend it with your friends i think i would throw in one warning or one thought of warning and that is that when we are under all that pressure to have a significant other oftentimes we choose badly because we just want to put somebody in that spot and we have to be very careful with that because we don't want to just fill that space with someone so we're not alone on valentine's day or any other day for that matter you know so just to be cautious and to be aware that again to go back to what we've been talking about that you can have a lot of other love relationships in your life while you wait and right. be a little patient for right. the right person yes. to come Yes, don't along. just get in a relationship for Valentine's Day. That's exactly. A bad bad idea. It's a bad, bad, bad reason idea. to be in a relationship. Okay. All right. 
So thank you, Becky, for sending that in. We Thanks hope it for was listening, helpful. too. Thanks for listening. I would like to read an email from our dear, dear listener, Katie. This email made me cry when I first got it. So Katie, you made me cry. <laughs> Good job. She makes me cry sometimes, too. It says, lovely Bonnie and Anna. First of all, you two are mother and daughter goals in my book. Thank you Aww. for keeping me company while I work out and actually making it time I can look forward to instead of dread. I would love a podcast that gives ideas on better ways to parent, being a better listener, how to help lead our children gently with boundaries and without being a helicopter parent. How do we help make the idea theirs instead of ours so they want to do or not do whatever, especially when they don't have the life experiences that to have taught them the lessons the hard way. I'm not sure this falls within your realm of podcasting, but I know you two would come up with good pointers and ideas for me. I would love you both, Katie. We Aww. love you too, Katie. You're wonderful. I don't even know how to answer that because I'm so... I don't know how to I'm start. I'm so verklempt. <laughs> Twitter-pated. Twitter-pated. I'm Twitter-pated. But mom, I do, I do want to hand this over to you because you have child-reared and I have not. I have. And, I, and it's you and you look how good you came out. Look how so good I, I came must, out. I must be really good at this. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because one of the things that struck me while I was getting ready for this particular question was that I just had a client yesterday who was an adolescent and really struggling with rebellion and while she's telling me about how much she doesn't like all, you know, when her parents are upset with her and everything, several times throughout the session it came out in different ways. They don't give me any boundaries. They don't give me consequences. And you could hear in this young lady, very intelligent young person, she wanted rules. She wanted boundaries. She wanted somebody to tell her, you cannot do that. That's against the rules. Right. In our house, you cannot do that. And these are the consequences. Well, people who don't have those very much seek them. Yeah. And also, one other thing I've heard is that instead of doing rules and boundaries, if you're doing it proactively instead of like afterwards exactly. setting boundaries, exactly. it's easier to set expectations. Mm-hmm. It's easier to set do's instead of don'ts. That's a very good way to say it. So like in our house, we are going to speak respectfully to each other and mm-hmm. we are going to do this and we are going to, you know, finish our chores and our homework by this time. I mean, right. these things are going to happen because there are expectations we're putting on you as a member of this household. Right. And the younger your children are when you do that, the yeah. better. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's too late if your children no. are older and you're listening to this episode and you think, it's oh, it's going to well, be harder. <laughs> it's it's harder the older they get. And right. that, boy, that's really hard, especially when they hit adolescence and you've... But the idea... I love that, Anna, that being positive. Right. And, and I did some... Even though you say I did do parenting, and I did. I did a lot of things wrong. <laughs> I did a lot of things wrong. I don't think so. Um, but there were some things that as I work with clients especially... One of the things we talk about is having having household rules that you've all, no matter how little your kids are, right, just you sit down and say, with them. right, this is our it family. it gives them a measure of power. It gives right. them a measure of control right. in the situation instead of just like, and you're going to do this and right. you're going to do this. Like, yeah, kids are going to rebel against that. I rebel against that almost 30 years <laughs> Even old. now, yeah, exactly. But I think that having rules, having structure in your day is important. I know that doesn't always work, especially when Routine you have several kids. Routine is so important. Oh, yes. For everyone, especially little kids. Yes. So just if you provide them with a safe routine, that's going to fix a lot of ills. Exactly. And I know that there are exceptions to every rule. And yeah, there's going to be a night when bedtime just doesn't happen when it's supposed to happen. That's fine. But if that's every night, that's why they're having struggles. 70% you're doing pretty good. Yeah. 70 or 80. 
I was going to say 75. 75. I'll, right. I'll settle at 75. Because yeah. there's always going to be things that happen. And you might think to yourself, well, that makes me rigid. That makes me not a, a flexible parent. But that's not really true. Because your child is going to learn that they have control over their life because they know that structure. And when a child feels in control themselves, it's not that you're controlling it. It's their rules too. They embraced it when they helped to make the family rules. And if that's as simple as like, do you want to wear your green shirt or your blue shirt today? Exactly. Okay. And that, I'm so glad you said that (laughs) because that was one of the things in Katie's email about how do we make it feel like it's their decision. Right. Give them choices that are age appropriate and that are reasonable for within their frame of reference. But not like for 42 choices. No. So that's the age appropriate. But thing also, too. like, that's the same for like older kids. Like, I, I remember going into like a school, I work in schools and I went into a classroom and the teacher was like saying things that the class needed to do. And I was like, that's a lot of things. It goes slowly. And she was Just like, one or yeah, two you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of things. But like, like we can only handle so much. Right. And and so, especially little kids. That's mm-hmm. especially true for little kids. But I love the example that you gave. You want to wear the, the green shirt or the blue shirt. Giving them a binary is. choice is right. very... It's always if you good. Want, if you take anything from this podcast and you want a quick life hack... <laughs> Absolutely. Give them binary choices right. for things that don't matter but make them feel like they're in control. Exactly. Do you want green beans today or do you want carrots? Uh-huh. That's it. So you have you had a choice and what you wanted and you, you made a choice. You chose carrots. Yep. Yeah. Are you going to get the little smart-ass kid that's like, <laughs> I want potatoes. <laughs> That was not one of the choices. Yes, Try that's again. That's not one of the choices. Sorry, bud. But see, that's important too, though. Yeah. That, you, I mean, once in a while, yeah, you might give in, but that's part of those keeping the boundaries that you, if you always give in, if every time you give them to, to a binary choice, as you say, in your fancy words, <laughs> I would say you give them two choices. Binary one or two. means two. Binary. She's so smart. My daughter is so smart. Got it from um, the gender binary. <laughs> Which is fake, by the way. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> That's another episode. That's another question, uh, actually. <laughs> but if at, absolutely every time you're like, okay, you want potatoes. Okay, well, that wasn't the choice, but I'll give it to you. Sure. Then they learn they can just throw out anything. And right. and so we need to. I want chocolate cake. <laughs> exactly. That was me. That's that's still me. <laughs> My husband's like, Anna, do you want broccoli or carrots? And I'm like, I want chocolate cake. Chocolate cake. <laughs> and I'm an adult and he can't tell me I can't have it. And then I have a stomach cake. So. <laughs> See, these are serious things. <laughs> so one thing I do want to talk about, especially with parenting, and this is not just boundary setting and not just the other stuff that Katie listed. It's all parenting. And that's the secure attachment. So one thing we look at in counseling, uh, especially adolescents, and one thing I work with a lot, I work in um, adoption. Mm-hmm. And so there's very often problems with attachment just from the families that these kids came from before. Right. Only about one in four people have secure attachment. There's several types of attachment, and secure is the only one that's like adaptive and healthy, mm-hmm. and only a fourth of people have it. Isn't that scary? Of everyone, not just like of adopted people, or not yeah. just like of no. people who have gone through trauma. Like everybody. Everyone yeah. in the world. So it's very scary, but that is something that we have to be conscious of if we're going to have kids and we're going to raise kids, is that if we can provide that for them, that that smooths a lot of difficulties over. Right. It's just that like that unconditional love and that like one thing that we say in counseling is connection before correction. 
So if we have that attachment with them and we have, we're attending to them and we're showing them unconditional love, that's going to give us a, a strong base for if we're setting those boundaries and if we're, if we're correcting them on something. If It's like if you went up to a stranger on the street, like if they're smoking and you don't like smoking, you go up to them and you're like, stop smoking. It's terrible <laughs> for you. They're going to be like, who are you? Right, Get right. out of my face. Right. But if you're a friend and you honestly care about them and you have a really good relationship and you're like, hey, it's really not a good thing that you're smoking. They're probably gonna be a little more open to that right right like it it depends on how genuine you're being and how much of a connection you have Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this with like the monkey mothers thing (laughs) you monkey mother monkey mother that as long as kids have a safe base to go back to they're gonna like one one thing katie mentioned was the if we if we have these experiences and we want to pass them on to our kids and we want to just be able to be like i've done this i've been where you're at and i've done this and it was bad don't do it Mm -hmm. listen the only way you got those experiences was because you had those experiences Mm -hmm. the only way you learned those lessons is because you actually did it and your kids might have to do that too but as long as they know that you are a safe person to come back to and say mom i screwed up you will be okay. How you doing, Mom? That's good. Thanks. I thought I was going to be the one who's crying, but I got fired <laughs> up. Yeah, it made me cry. <laughs> I mean, I, I say this as someone who grew up with at least one parent who gave me that. I, I had a parent I who hope didn't. that was me. It was. <laughs> oh, shoot. No, I had an extra mom somewhere. <laughs> that lady down the street that I paid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, it was, I, I've talked on the podcast before about how my father was not a great parenting influence, but I, mom, I need your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I always knew that I could come back to you. And I always knew that no matter what happened, you were going to love me. And you were, you were going to be there to get me out of jams if I needed to, or to just listen. And that was the most important thing. Or do a podcast. Or do a you. podcast with you every week. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's something. Yep. Okay, are we done? (laughs) I'm going to go home now. (laughs) No, we're not done yet. I do want to talk about caregiver affect management. (laughs) Holy crap, Anna. I know. Well, this is going to be very brief, but like one of the things that's important, and this is actually going to come into play in another question that we have, so I do want to introduce it here. Caregiver affect management may seem like an intimidating term, but it just means taking care of your own emotions. So if you're angry or if you're worried or if you're really sad, it's okay to let your kids know that you're experiencing emotions, Mm -hmm. but you can't lean on your kids to help those emotions. You've got to be able to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's important that as the caregiver, you're modeling good emotion management. That's that, a good way to say it. That's all that emotion is. Emotion management. It doesn't mean you, you're void of, of emotion. No, 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 no. You don't want to be that No, kind it's of important that you model yeah. that it's okay to have emotions, right. but that it's important to manage them in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also going to go really far in letting your kids know that you're a safe place to go. Because mm-hmm. if they come to you and they made a mistake, you may be angry about the mistake that they made, but if you blow up on them, that's going to teach them that they're not okay to come back to you next time. Right, right. Whereas if you if they come to you and you are angry and you say, oh man, that was really not a good choice. I'm a little upset with you, but we're going to fix this together. Right. That's, that's a huge difference. And that's going to pave the way for them coming back to you with bigger mistakes right. and then bigger times in their life. Mm-hmm. 
that's good that you bring that up because we are going to come back around to that on a later question, I'm yes. sure. And I think just the last very simple thing that I would add to that is that sometimes things just don't go. Yeah. Sometimes the crap just hits the fan. Yeah, man. And you could have done There's everything be right. There's you can't yeah, control. Yeah, you could have done everything right and done and been just what seems to be the perfect parent. And there's still going to be those days where you just well, want to... And even bigger than towel. that, I mean, there may be times where something happens to your kid when you're not around. or That's very true. Or there's a natural disaster or something happens that your kid has trauma and you weren't mm-hmm. able to control it. And I think a lot of parents have guilt for that. But you couldn't control it. Right. And so, I mean, there's, there's always going to be things you're not able to control in parenthood. But mm-hmm. as long as you handle the things you can control, the other stuff will smooth out. Right. Exactly. That was good. We could do a whole episode oh, easily will. on that. I'm sure on, we will. I'm just not sure what to call it. <laughs> yeah. Parenthood? That seems yeah. like a big fish to tackle. People tackle fishes? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next one? All right, the next but one. Thank you, thank you, Katie, for thank that. Thank you, Katie, and thank and we you for love the you. email that I read all the time. I read it over <laughs> she and over. Keeps it, <laughs> I just she keep keeps it pinned it up on her. my bedroom wall. <laughs> our next question or uh, suggestion is from our listener John, who suggests that we talk about dealing with regrets, which is a big topic as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, Parenthood we could, we and could dealing with regrets are big yeah. topics. We could definitely do a whole episode on that too, couldn't we? Yes. So I, I think. If someone was coming to me with regrets, the main thesis for what I would work with them on is using that regret as a tool to move forward. Right. So like it's important to acknowledge that you feel guilty or you feel angry or you feel whatever you feel for this thing that happened or didn't happen. I'll get to that in a second. But it's also important to like deal with that emotion and then say, okay, now what's next? How am I going to use that to give myself a lesson on what to do or not do later? Because regret is one of those kind of things that we can use to punish ourselves and to keep beating ourselves up about over and over and over again and get very stuck in a place right. where all we're doing is ruminating on the negative and that's that's why we get so stuck in that place instead of yeah. using it to move forward. Right. Which we've also got to be careful not to go the other way where like regrets don't matter. There's no such thing as regret. Right. Exactly. Um, a study by a guy, this is like the only study that I found in this whole episode. So mm-hmm. bear with me. A study by a person named Shai Davidai says that taking on like some no regrets kind of life motto just makes it worse in the long run because you're not dealing with those regretful feelings that you have and it's better to take time and actually acknowledge those feelings the name it claim Claim it tame tame it thing i I was just sitting there thinking (laughs) i'm gonna say that i'm gonna say that but you said it i said it have we ever really explained it it's what it sounds like it's kind of sounds like pop pop psychology but i use it in my sessions sometimes with certain people yeah name it claim it tame it just means you acknowledge it you are self-aware about what it is Mm -hmm. and then you acknowledge that it is your own and that you are feeling these things and Mm -hmm. then you can manage it right but you have to do it in those steps exactly in that order exactly and I think it was probably the same study because a lot of what you just said sounded very familiar that he said he used the word remorse Hmm. Did you see that? I, in didn't, the, it was, I didn't find the actual study. I it was kind of <laughs> like when we have regret, when we do name it, claim it, tame it, what happens is it kind of changes into remorse, which sounds like a negative thing, but it's actually not. Because remorse say, it sounds like a synonym. Yeah, remorse is, is more like the action of taking that regret and feeling sorry that it happened and learning from it. And yeah, either making amends maybe because yeah. you maybe need to make amends to someone or just to make amends to yourself and then to move forward. That right. that's really important. 
I think that there are so many different kinds of regret because it can be just a just an immediate regret. Like you do something like you're driving to work and you're like, oh crap, I forgot my cell phone. Right. I got to well, drive all the way back. His study actually addresses that. Mm-hmm. So it says that the regrets that stay with us the longest are actually the regrets of what we could have done mm. and not like what we did wrong. Okay. So I know that sounds similar, but it's like inaction versus wrong action. Right. So the theory... I did the elbow thing. I know. Here. I'm so have sorry. A- <laughs> I so, so the, like, this is probably, the theory is that it's because inaction is harder to use as a tool to move forward. Where if we did something wrong, we can say that was wrong and I'm going to use that as a way to not do that again. Right. It's like something we can point to. Right. You know, if we don't have that, if it was just a choice we didn't make or a mm-hmm. thing we didn't do it's an opportunity to, missed yeah it's harder yeah. to correct that yeah i mean there's no way to not do that again unless you get the exact same opportunity in the exact same way you can't like correct that it's right. harder to repair also because they mentioned that wrong action so like the the you did something wrong gives what they called a hot emotional response hmm. so anger or guilt or you know you, you very very you know, low on the scale, you leave your cell phone at home, you're like mm-hmm. kicking yourself. You're right. like, oh my gosh. I'm I wasted so, 20 minutes. I can't believe this. Yeah, that was so dumb of me. But you're able to focus on that right then. Mm-hmm. Whereas inaction, it probably sneaks in later and it takes more time to sink in. Mm-hmm. That's that if only. Right. If only. And, and yeah, you may not even realize until later that it was what you would consider an incorrect choice. Right. And one thing I also want to say was there's also hindsight bias. So hindsight bias is exactly what it sounds like, where we are biased to look back and be very judgmental of our choices because of what we know now. Right. But we made the choice we made because of reasons that we had at the time. Exactly. So we can't look back and say, like, if only I had done this, I would have no regrets. Because first of all, alternate universe you that did make that other choice with chaos theory... (laughs) is probably having regrets about something else (laughs) like there's always going to be regrets we're always going to have regrets and and if we can use them to move forward that's what's important right wow sorry i I could just listen to you talk for and you were always you were doing that that's what you were doing (laughs) yeah i get very heated this is what happens when i don't do research this is what happens when i don't all comes out (laughs) it all comes out (laughs) i swear i don't talk this much in my counseling my daughter is so intelligent weird to god i don't I'm so proud of you, Anna. I'm proud of you too, Mom. Thanks, baby. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that came to my mind about regrets is the thought of sometimes when I work with older clients Mm. who are in stages of their life. We talked about the the life stages when we talked about Erickson's in like... I want to say like 17 to 21. 14 episodes. Oh, yeah. It was like 40. (laughs) That was like at least half of our 50 episodes that we had was that Erickson stretch. But, you know, it kind of starts to hit a lot of people in what we would kind of call middle adulthood, middle age. You know, when you have that middle age crisis kind of thing. If you remember those things that we talked about with Erickson or if you've ever studied that, in middle age, it's called generativity versus stagnation. And that's that, you know, you don't want to have regrets. You want to move forward. You want to keep moving forward. But when it really kind of hits a lot of people is the little bit older age where you're around 65 and beyond. Because you're retired and you have time to think about it. <laughs> yeah, you're just sitting around going, what do like, I regret? Aww. What do I regret? But during that time, we're dealing with integrity versus despair. And this kind of integrity means integrating. Not, you know, sometimes I hear integrity and I think of like being upstanding and yeah. 
Yeah. So this kind of it's integrity. It's not that? No. Integrity. I have always thought it was seriously like that kind of integrity. Integrity means. In Why this, wouldn't they call it integration? Is that we've integrated <laughs> our understanding and our feelings about our earlier life with our older self. So you could kind of skew that a little bit and say you have that feeling of having a life of integrity like that other integrity word right but for this for this stage he means like we're integrating and saying the things that I've done in my life all were important they're all part of my life resume they're all important in the tapestry of life all those metaphors that I use <laughs> like my band-aid tapestry and I have a band-aid flapped it at me <laughs> um, I didn't do it close to your face you're all right get over it um <laughs> See that good parenting? Yeah, work? that's all about Get parenting. over it. That attachment thing <laughs> is going strong right here. Uh, but the idea when we hit a certain age is that we need to do exactly what Anna just said about, about our regrets, is that we need to, to name it, tame it, claim it, and then to celebrate that was that bad wine. wine, wasn't it? <laughs> I can see you did not enjoy and that I wine. And I still want another glass of it, so it's fine. <laughs> My taste's bad, but I bet it's given a good buzz. Yeah, sometimes the worst tasting wine gives there the best you go. buzz. You just got to suffer. I know. It's all about so the suffering. So keep talking. Keep talking. Oh my gosh, I don't have that long, so you better scoot your patoot. Right. So the idea, if you're dealing with that kind of regret, if you're at that age in your life where you're looking back and you're thinking, gosh, you know, I have all these things that I should have done when I was younger and now I'm older and I'm not going to have the opportunity to do that. I can, I can kind of relate to this is that instead of beating yourself up about what you didn't do or what the, what the things that you didn't do wrong, instead, reframe that and think about what do I want to do? What do I still want to do? You know, make yourself a bucket list that's reasonable and move forward and change the trajectory of your life. Instead of ruminating in that regret and being in that place where you're fretting, that would be this despair, which is the opposite right. of the integrity. Well, and again, I'm going to go back to the hindsight bias thing where it's very easy to look back at those choices and blame those choices for the things that are going on right now in our life. And yeah, some of them may have an A, B, like, oh, this did cause that. Right. But, but it's you don't usually know what, more than that. And you don't know exactly what you said, Anna. You don't know what else could have happened if you would have gone the other way. Right. You know, it could have been way worse. Right. So. You, or or if nothing else, it could have been exactly the same. Exactly. There's this FOMO thing, the fear of missing out, where I think that no matter what choice we make, we're going to have some built-in regret because mm-hmm. there, that means there's a choice we didn't make. Right. And just the unknown thing is our mind can go crazy and say, if I had done that, then this and this and this would have happened. Mm-hmm. But that's usually nonsense. Like, right. things even out. The, right. the universe balances out. And I, I think that we would have been in maybe not the same spot. I mean, there's definitely <laughs> choices where it's going to so, put us in a so, different spot. So my personal way to say that is, in the end, you know, it all works out because... God stuff, God, God stuff, stuff, God stuff. God stuff, yeah. I would throw my God stuff in there. Okay. So you, you yeah. I it's equate that diff- with the universe. It's yeah, just, it's just a different way to, way to look at it. So if you are in a place in your life where you're feeling regret, whether it's real immediate regret, like you just broke up with somebody that you're feeling bad about, or you quit a job that maybe you shouldn't have, or you didn't take a job you should have, or if it's that you're at a certain age and you're looking back over your whole life and having regret, mm-hmm. um, either way, whichever one of those places you are, right. to do those things that Anna talked about. And to use it as a tool. Right. To move forward. Exactly. And that is something that you could definitely work on in counseling if, if it's a significant issue in your life. Yes. Yep. Okay. So thank you, John, for that. Thank you, John. Comment. So we have two more that I did not get 
as written comments, but you got as verbal Verbally, comments. Yeah. Would you like to go into those? Yes. Let's start with the one that a sipster commented that um, she would like some information about having a child who is transgender and the parent, specifically the mother, but we'll just say parent because I think it could be either way. The parent is having some struggle about how to handle the situation. They're very open to being accepting and doing their best to, as Anna was talking about before, about uh, uh, checking our affect and keeping our emotions where they should be when we're dealing with our children I do believe that this mother probably is very much like that. However, there's grief that she's, for lack of a better term. Absolutely. Um, some grief that she's dealing with because of that idea that the the thoughts, the dreams, the expectations she had when this child was little now have, have changed a great deal. Sure. And so um, specifically name change, that the child is changing their given the name. The name change is big. Yeah. For parents, the name change is very big. So Anna deals more often, I think, with transgender clients than I, I do. I have a couple, but to work with many she is, that's kind clients. of one of her things that she likes to focus mm-hmm. on and is very good at dealing with people who are challenged with those issues. So... So why don't you take that one and run with it, baby? Well, first, I do want to do a little crash course on vocab, just so if I throw out some terms, you guys won't be confused. So I'm going to talk about preferred pronouns and preferred names, uh, which just means it's what it sounds like. The trans person has things that they would like to be called. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the name change. Absolutely. That's the preferred name. Yep. So if, if you have a kid, Daniel, and they mm-hmm. want to be called Julia, you know, Julia is their preferred name. Right. And their preferred pronouns are she, her. Right. So sometimes in some circles of the trans community, this is called dead naming, where if you accidentally call Julia Daniel, mm-hmm. you, you've dead named her. Some trans people don't like that. They think, because I have worked with trans people who really do value that part of their life and value that that was their name for a long time mm-hmm. and that their parents did choose that name. So they take it seriously. That's just not what who feels right to them. Right. It's not who they are. That's right. I, I might say gender assigned at birth. I might say trans man versus trans woman. So that just means so So trans man means someone whose gender assigned at birth was female, but who wants to transition into a male. Trans woman is someone whose gender assigned at birth was male, who wants to transition into a female. Mm-hmm. That's all that means. So I think the main thing to hit here is that there is going to be grief. Yep. Parents are gonna feel grief. Mm-hmm. I think that can be very frustrating for the trans person mm-hmm. because they're not feeling that grief as much because this is who they've always been. And it's just not been recognized until now. It's not been out until now. But they're not dying, you right, know. From right. the outside, it very much feels like that because this is a sudden change. Mm-hmm. But from the inside, for the trans person, this is how they've been the entire time. Right. And they're just now acknowledging it to everyone or they're just now saying it out loud to everyone. They're making their outside match their inside. So it doesn't feel like, I mean, it, it probably feels very scary to them, but it doesn't feel like a death or right. a grief right like it does for the people around them right and i would think that that would be frustrating for them 
to see other people grieving right. because it's like, well, yes. you should, we should be celebrating exactly. that I'm embracing this now. Which I and think we should also do. Like, that's what's really hard about this is that you've got to be able to do both. Right. You've got to be able to be there to support the person and support mm-hmm. your child, especially if it's your child. Because right. that goes back to the whole parenting discussion we just had about, like, being the safe base for them to go back to. Because if they're trans, they've got a lot that they're going to deal with in society. Right. They're going to have a lot about coming out that's going to be really hard they're going to have a lot about transitioning that's going to be really hard however they choose to transition they're gonna need a safe base Mm -hmm. so if you're the parent you've got to be that and part of that is that affect management that i talked about and part of it is that just even though you're feeling grief you do need to be able to say i'm so proud of you this is a great thing that you are choosing to be who you want to be and who it feels like you really are it's all great Mm -hmm. i feel like we need to tell a knock knock joke or something because i'm gonna get really deep on this (laughs) The bottom line here is to the question asker that grief is natural. Right. And you're going to feel that. Right. And it's okay to feel it. And not to feel guilty because you're having lots of emotions because there's going to be lots of emotions. Right. You're going to be grieving that the person you knew isn't going to exist in the same way that you've known them in the same way that maybe we've put these expectations on them. Mm -hmm. But they're the same person in there. Right. It's the same person and they just want to live on the outside that matches the way they are on the inside. And the inside is something that you have helped raise. You have helped raise this person. Right. It's not like the person you raised is going away and it's an entirely new person. It's that the person you raised wants to be recognized a little differently than maybe we recognized them at first. Mm-hmm. And you can still be proud of that. You can still be super proud of the person you raised. And again, it's okay to let your child know that you're having some of these complicated feelings, but the loudest message should be that you love them and support them. Right. Absolutely. And it should be, you know, ultimately your own responsibility to deal with that sadness and grief that is very natural and that you are going to experience and that you should let yourself experience. Mm -hmm. It goes back to that, you know, adult caregiver management where you have a responsibility to take care of your own stuff. Right. So you can better take care of the person you're taking care of, Mm -hmm. basically. I would suggest finding a support group. There are specifically support groups made for loved ones of trans people. Mm -hmm. Um, Some trans people I've worked with have gone to groups that are like with them and their loved ones. But I know there exist support groups for just the loved ones to go where they don't feel that like obligation to like they're still gonna be supportive but they don't have to like make sure they're doing right. They they can just deal with their own stuff alone. Right. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So I, I, I think that. that's a time that that universality of a group would be oh, really yeah, important absolutely. To, to know that you're not the only one who has dealt with those feelings. Right. And I know in some areas it's really hard to find groups. Like I know our area is really bad for groups. Mm. We just don't have a lot of group options. So look online for like forums and like Facebook groups as long as they're healthy. Mm. Be sure because yes, those be careful with that. can get pretty toxic sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So be careful. But yeah, look for those resources. Mm-hmm. That was a great answer. Thank you. I I want to ask you as a parent why you think the name thing is such a big deal. I think that the name thing is such a big deal because that is a very 
I mean, it's very central to becoming a parent. When you're going to become a parent, and even sometimes before you're becoming a parent, you think about what you want to name your child. Sure. And why you want to name them that. And it's usually a significant... I mean, I realize some people do get a little out there with their names, choosing their names. But I mean, I know like in choosing your name and choosing your brother's name, there was a lot of thought and prayer that went into it. You know, why we wanted you to be named Anna. Right. And so that was... So the harder you thought about it, the bigger the grief is probably going to be probably. if you were just like yeah ah, if like it was just a name because eh. it sounds nice but it's also kind of like that's I don't know how to put this into words you belong to me you're my child I'm naming you right it's a huge responsibility to name a child it is and that's also hard because you've got to recognize that the you are mine thing only goes so far as they are theirs and that they are their own person right and not not just age, although obviously age, as kids grow up, they become their own person completely. Mm-hmm. But I mean, really, from the very beginning, they're sure. their own person. They're going to do what they're going to yeah. do, man. Yeah. To some degree, that's really true when they're little even so. Right. And names yeah. are tough because we don't get to say it. We as kids don't get to say in them in the first place. Right. I love my name because it's a palindrome. <laughs> Because you can <laughs> say it's the same backwards I hated my name when I was a kid. Oh, I, yeah? I hated really? my name. Really? It's such a pretty name. Yeah. Though. It literally well, means pretty, doesn't it? It's lovely or pretty, yeah. <laughs> it just didn't feel like it fit me. Well, sure. I mean, when I was a little kid and people would say it means pretty or whatever, right. I'd be but like, yeah, that's to totally point. not me. <laughs> Bad self-talk. That's, yeah. But then we get to a point where we like embrace it and instead of the name forming us, we form the name. Right. We make that name ours. But I do think that some parents feel like that's a way that their child is kind of pushing them away to say, I don't want the name you gave me. You know, even if that's not at all what the child is intending, sure. I think that's what some parents feel. Well, and they that's, feel that's what is very hard rejection. because it, it's hard to not take that stuff personally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where trans people get very upset because it's like, this is not your battle. Right. This is my this is my thing and you're making it about you. Where it's hard not to do that because you are gonna feel sadness and grief. Mm-hmm. But if like that sadness and grief can come without a pushback. You can feel sadness and grief, but also without being inauthentic, say like, I'm gonna support you no matter what. I'm just gonna be sad about it for right. a second. I just yeah. I'm dealing with some things, but I'm working on exactly. it. Exactly. And that is like you said, it's a good time to either get in a group or and or to maybe have some counseling yourself to help right. you to work through that, to let go of some of that. Yeah. The other thing with pronouns and names is just habit. Exactly. Uh, something I work with a lot. I have one kiddo who like gets so upset with her mom when she like dead names her, like so upset. And I have to gently say to the kid, like, this is how your mom has known you for like 13 or 14 years. Right. It's going to take a while for her. And, and mom's getting a lot better at doing it. Mm-hmm. So she's obviously trying. And I think the kid does recognize that. But it, it does, it's a big trigger for them. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, I'm not that person. Stop calling me that. Right. And for the parent, it's not like they're doing anything malicious. Some are. Some I have are. dealt with parents and Some significant are. others and stuff who are doing it maliciously. But it could also just be a habit. That's it's just exactly a habit. the way it's, it's just what that's yeah. what they've called you for right. for this many years. And sometimes it does just take a while to break it. Right. And you've just got to be patient with each other. I mean, we've talked about that, that we've known somebody whose daughter changed her name and yeah. that that was very hurtful sure. to him as a parent. Sure. And not only that, but that he just kept calling her her old name, Oops. not because yep. out of, it just was his habit. Right. So right. people just need to grow up 
<laughs> well, we need to practice using the new words. Right. Yeah. Especially the pronouns. That's that's tricky for some of us to get used pronouns to Pronouns is hard. I, I, I think it's becoming more in the lexicon that pronouns are a thing we have to think about. Right. But I think it is still hard for people. Yeah. It is difficult. Okay. <sighs> Got one, one more. One more. And, and then this is a quickie. Yeah. This is a quickie. I think so. One other sipster asked um, just for a general comment about... How do you know when it's time in your life that you should get counseling? What is the the final straw or the red flag or whatever that says, uh-oh, I need to get counseling. Right. I need to go see a counselor. And then uh, she kind of added to that. And then how do I know who to pick as a counselor? How do I find a good counselor? I think if you're asking that question, it might be time to find a counselor. I That's really good, <laughs> Anna. That's really good. I, I think if you're asking yourself, like, what's the, mm, what's what's the, the straw lesson? that breaks the yeah. camel's back? Like, and don't what? wait until the camel's back is broken. <laughs> don't. Just go. <laughs> I am right. biased because I think everyone should go to counseling. Yeah, I think as counselors, we're probably biased. Yeah. That, we, that we think that most people could at least use some time in therapy. Because I do think that is what's hard... I've noticed that especially in like family and couples counseling is they wait until that like red flag last straw moment yeah. and then it's super hard. And the house is burning down. Exactly. And you're like throwing <laughs> buckets of water on it. Like why did you guys yeah. wait so long? <sighs> so I, I think that if you're asking that question of yourself, something's going on where it's worth it to look into right. it. We always talk in therapy about things that are significant. We know they're significant because they are, and there's a direct quote that I wish I could say about, if it is interfering with your daily life. Yes. So if you every day have some thoughts like, maybe I should get some therapy, or maybe I should see, hmm, I wonder if I need to see a counselor. Or even just like, oh, I wasn't able to do this because I'm feeling this. Or right, like, right. I'm so angry, or I'm so sad, or I'm so whatever. Yeah. Or our relationship is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then do it. Right. Just do it. Just do it. That's our <laughs> advice. Just do it. Just do it. And as far as finding a counselor, that's a little tricky. I, I mean, okay, wait. Well, wait a minute. Let's be a little less flippant here. <laughs> because I do think, I do think there oh, are yeah, some no. specific, like, uh, speaking as someone who has started the search for her own counselor. I, I, I was in counseling before and I was out of it for a little while. I just didn't have the time with grad school and stuff, but I have gotten to a place. I got that to that red flag where it's like, oh, I need to, I need to see a counselor again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am in the process of finding my own counselor. And I guess the, the reason that I wanted to start was I wanted an outside voice on the situation. I wanted someone who's not involved with any of the stuff I'm going through to be able to give me some outside perspective. Mm -hmm. But also I wanted to have less stress on my support system. Uh, I think that's a really big benefit of counseling is that you can go to someone who's not going to get overwhelmed with what you're telling them and you're not going to keep dumping and dumping and dumping things on people who are around you every day. Because sometimes that can get taxing on our relationships. Mm-hmm. When all we do is, I'm so upset, I'm so sad, I'm so depressed to people around us or whatever you're struggling with, anxiety or anything. At some point, the, the water supply becomes tainted a little bit, you know? Like you go to that person and even subconsciously, maybe they're going to think, oh no. They're going to talk about it. Yeah, again. exactly. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to even risk doing that to anyone that was around me. So that's why I started. Those are some of the concrete benefits of, of searching for a counselor. But yeah, it does get a little more complicated when we talk about how to find the right one. Okay. The biggest thing we need to talk about in that regard is rapport. Mm-hmm. 
because there's lots of research that I'm not going to say any of because I didn't find any of it because I'm lazy. But there's lots of research on rapport being the key element to a successful counseling experience. Right. Regardless of what kind of counselor you're seeing. So if it's cognitive behavioral, if it's humanistic is obviously built on rapport. Right. No matter what kind of counselor you're seeing, no matter what framework they're working on, if that rapport isn't there, you're not going to get much out of the experience. Exactly. So that's the that's the key. And unfortunately, the only way you can really tell that is if you actually if you go do it. and sit with them in a session or two. Some or counselors three. will like talk to you on the phone mm-hmm. where you can get a little bit of an idea, but even then not totally. I know that often for me as a counselor, I talk very briefly with clients before I see them in person. So they, you know, they got to get into my office and sit down with me and decide. You know, I don't even. I get is, like pieces of paper. Yeah, say I do their sometimes name. too. And, and then they just come in, and you and don't even. Yeah, know. the first time I meet them is yeah. the first time they come in. So yeah, it's hard for us too. If you're if you're not a counselor, <laughs> feel you're sorry for your counselor. Feel sorry no. for your counselor. No, don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, I I am a little bit privileged in that I have pretty good insurance, and I have the ability to go to a counselor and see. I mean, right now, like I said, I'm in the process of seeing if this counselor that I have chosen right now is the best one for me. I think I have good rapport with her as a person. I'm still waiting to see if the rapport as a counselor is there, as a counselor and and counselee, I guess, because it's not about anyone's doing something wrong. No, no. It's just if that click is there. Right. And sometimes it's not, and that's okay. So it's really important to be aware of that. I always tell my clients, and I'm sure you do too, Anna, that... You know, if you're if you're coming and you're not feeling like we connect, if Please you don't tell feel, us. yes, don't keep coming because it's no. not it's not going to be effective. No. You need to be assertive enough to say, "I need to find." And if you say else. to your counselor, "This is why it's not working, and this is what I need," a counselor worth their salt is going to say, "I'm going to refer." Let you me to refer someone. you to someone I think might be a good fit. Exactly. For you. Yeah. Uh huh. That's exactly right. So I would say if you're asking this question, start the process. Start looking around. If you know people who do go to counseling, ask yeah. them how they like their counselor and what they like about exactly. them. Exactly. And, and there are sites online that will direct you to counselors in your area mm-hmm. and, you know, show you little pictures of them and, and kind of give you a little I think psychology bio. today is... Psychology is... Yeah, that's one of the... All one, of America, I believe. I believe it is too. Yeah. And so that'll at least get you going a little bit. Yes. Ask your physician... Mm -hmm. Um, is another way that you can find a referral to a good counselor. And again, if you don't have very good insurance, your options may be limited more, Mm -hmm. which can be hard. But there are programs out there with sliding scale and all that kind of stuff. So just start the search and you'll be surprised at what you find. Mm -hmm. We always say to our clients, you know, when they first come in for the first session, you know, we say something to them about basically congratulating them for having the courage to come in for the first time. Mm -hmm. Because it is a big step if you've never had therapy. Or even if you have to start a new counselor. Yeah. It's a big step. I always thank, especially kiddos, I always thank them for talking to me. Yeah. It's a big deal. So thank you to those sipsters who gave us those ideas. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for participating in our 50th. No. I thought you were saying. Oh, mailbag. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. It seemed a little serious today, didn't it? Were we a little Uh, serious? We got a little serious. Got a a little serious. serious. Sorry, guys. But I think that's okay. I think so, too. Well, usually it's hard because usually when we do a regular episode, I like am able to research it first and I have some like 
japes and jokes in the back pocket. Japes and jokes. Just some jests. Some good, real good jests. Because <laughs> she's a jester. And jester. And, and I, I wasn't able to do that as much no. today. But we hope that maybe this episode was a little more like actually maybe coming into one of, our, stuff. one of our offices and sitting down and, and hearing what we might talk to you about in office. Mm-hmm. Although I do laugh during therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you do too. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. The other day, the counselor that has an office next to mine, I finished a session with it. That was with a teenager too. And <laughs> afterwards she came in and she was like, were you having a party in here? <laughs> <laughs> like I know there are yeah. some people who I like really crack up with I mean and I'm always like I wonder what the people around me think <laughs> like do they think I'm actually counseling <laughs> or just having fun yeah. laugh therapy is really effective That's sometimes true. so so sipsters we want to thank you so much for helping us to get through 50 episodes and we hope you will be with us for 50 more at least at least at least we appreciate your faithfulness and and maybe telling your friends about us. Yeah, for our birthday, for our for our pod birthday. Please tell other people that they should listen to Freudian Sips. Yeah, we do would that. like that. Do that. We would like that. Okay. All right. Yes, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on social media. We're Freudian Sips Pod on everything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Please find us. Please follow us. Please subscribe to us. Please interact with us. Do everything for our lots, birthday. Lots of pleases going on for there. You, you were raised right. It's <laughs> her birthday. And Anna's birthday, too. It's my birthday. For my birthday, birthday. everyone follow me on Twitter. Give us 10,000 followers for my birthday. Oh, that would be awesome. (laughs) Anna deserves it. Let's do it. We're never going to get to 10,000 followers. Don't say never. Negative self-talk. Probably not going to get to 10,000 followers in my lifetime. When I die. How about in your (laughs) lifetime, not in my lifetime? (laughs) Stop it. You can go to our site, FreudianSipsPod.com. You can get a hold of us directly, FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com, which is where to send your review screenshots if you have those. And please remember, even if you're not doing the sticker promotion, which you should, Mm -hmm. you should, you Mm -hmm. can get a free sticker. sticker. Leave us a nice rating and review wherever you can do that. iTunes, Podchaser, wherever. Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. (laughs) 